Uh, good evening, church. Yeah, my name is Kaya, and I'll be doing our Bible reading today. So today's Bible reading comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 20 to 32. Okay. But that is not the way you've learned Christ. Assuming that you heard about him and were taught in him as the, truth is in, as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on a new self created after the likeness of God in, in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, church. We rejoice in the Lord tonight. Um, It is a great pleasure to open God's word uh, to us this evening. If you're joining us for the very first time, uh, what we've been doing this whole year is looking at Ephesians. It's exciting. It's good. We've been drilling this point home that you belong. Uh, You belong to Christ because of what God has done. And we've labored that point time and time again because it's at the heart of the Christian message uh, and at the heart of what we are going to see today. What, we, what we're doing this evening, we are focusing in on one specific verse. Uh, so now that we belong, uh, what does God call us to do? Now that we belong, or what does it mean now to live the Christian life? Uh, so that's what we are focusing on uh, this evening. I just jumped into it. I forgot to introduce myself. If you are new, I'm David. I'm one of the pastors here uh, at Christ Church Midrand. And it is my privilege to um, look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28 in particular for this evening. So have a look at verse 28. And we've titled it, An Honest Day's Work. Um, This is what Paul says. Now that we belong and we are part of God's family, Those who are now part of this community, he says to them, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with everyone in need. Now, one of the things that we we said is that uh, the Christian life, uh, the more and more we understand this concept that we belong, it doesn't end there. It goes on to impact the way we live, the way we play, the way we work, uh, what we do with our hands, what we do with our lips. Next week, Reggie Lamiki will be looking at 
uh, the issue of communication, how we use our lips in relation to what God has, has done for us. Now that we belong, how should we relate to one another in the way that um, uh, we use uh, our lips? Uh, so our relationship with God that is vertical, again, those things stuff me up, uh, but that is upward. I don't know which one is horizontal, which one is vertical, but stay with me. Uh, This relationship with God uh, impacts this relationship with other people. In other words, as the Bible says, you cannot say you love your brother, or rather you love God if you hate your brother. Uh, So we cannot claim to have a relationship with God and love God if our relationships with one another uh, are in some ways untouched and unchanged. Uh, so what Paul does in chapter 4, 5, 6 is that he looks at how the gospel specifically changes how we relate to one another. And last week we looked at lying, uh, the reasons why we lie, and the motivation to living a more truthful life as people who belong. Uh, tonight we're looking at this concept uh, of working hard, working with our hands, uh, and not stealing. And we're going to uh, see what God has to say uh, to us uh, in light of that. Why don't you join me in bowing your heads as I lead us in prayer as we get into God's word. Father, we are thankful uh, for this mercy, uh, this grace, this amazing grace that uh, searched for us in our brokenness, in our sinfulness, uh, that took us when we didn't belong into a family Um, of God. And tonight we thank you that those who've crossed the line of faith can call you Christian. And we know, Father, that we haven't arrived. Uh, But as we learn who Christ is, as we walk the path of discipleship, uh, I pray, Lord, that you teach us something of who who you are and who we are supposed to be as your children. So please be with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Someone said that there are two types of people in this world, uh, the givers and the takers. Uh, The takers sometimes eat better, but the givers always sleep better. Um, I wonder what you think of that. Uh, Those are, I think, words of wisdom, because if you've lived long enough, uh, for any amount of time, you'd realize that this is true of life, that there are those people who are just dedicated to being takers, uh, what, what does it mean to be a taker? It means that you approach any relationship, any situation, uh, if it's in the workspace, wherever you go, all you think about is, how can I benefit from this? Okay, how can I benefit from this relationship? How can I benefit from this place? Uh, instead of asking, how can I be of service uh, in this area? How can I make an impact? Uh, so there are the givers and the, uh, the takers. Uh, the givers who uh, want it all to be about themselves, who have this attitude of gaining and taking from the world. Uh, and then there are those uh, who are givers, who uh, get into relationships with this attitude uh, of giving. I think if you've lived long enough, you would know that there are more takers than there are givers, isn't it? Uh, there are more people who uh, go into this world wanting to take, wanting to Uh, either take praise in the workspace, uh, either write off other people's hard work uh, and leverage human beings as resources for their own own good. Uh, So they are takers, and they eat well. 
Uh, that's why they are so prevalent in our, our world. Uh, that's the majority of the people. And then there are this minority called givers. Uh, and these givers are never happy. They are the miserable ones. And they are the ones who are hurt because they've given themselves over and over again to take us. And they're just tired of it. Uh, so givers are small uh, and far uh, in between. And obviously they are not living the, the, the good life. Uh, because it is in our world better to be a taker than it is uh, to be a giver. Uh, we live in a world where we want givers. We want there to be more givers in the government space. Uh, can you think about that uh, for a minute? What if SA was filled with people who were just givers? How different uh, would our country be? Uh, we want that to be the reality. We want in the office space, we want givers. We want people who are not just there for their own uh, interest, but they serve the interests of others. We all love givers. We all think, if I were to take a survey this evening, I'm sure many of us would say, uh, when, when you talk about takers, uh, that I'm not a taker, uh, I'm a giver. Many of us would identify ourselves as givers rather than takers. But the reality is that we live in a culture that disciples us, and that's the key word, I think, uh, that we need to remember as we think about Ephesians, uh, that Paul uses the words learning Christ. Uh, those are words that resemble discipleship. What, is, what do we mean by discipleship? Discipleship simply means learning, being a learner. What are we learning? We're learning a new way, a way of Christ. So that is what it means to be a disciple. That it means you start, stop following your culture and you start following somebody else. And in this case, you start following Jesus. But here's the thing. Uh, discipleship is not just a Christian thing. Uh, discipleship is also something that we're born into. That from a young age, we are being discipled uh, to be a certain kind of people. And what the world teaches us is that being a taker is the best thing ever. Uh, just think of the government takers. Uh, on the road with the torch, especially at month end, I bet you they are there on new road. They are there to take. Uh, and many of us uh, uh, sadly are willing to give uh, because we're in trouble. Those are takers, uh, men and women who are meant to uphold society, but their job is to just benefit their own pockets. Uh, how many of us have traveled in the township and have seen projects that started off uh, and it looked like, man, this is going to be the best thing ever. Uh, they're going to build houses for our people. Uh, we're going to experience um, something great here. People's lives are going to be uplifted, and then the takers do the best thing that uh, they can. They take. Uh, how many of us have been in a workspace where a colleague has just slacking off, and they, they're just riding on your praise. They're just riding on your ideas. They take praises for themselves. Um, they take um, accolades and the work that you've done uh, as if it's their own. Uh, so it is those people that we look at and our culture disciples us to know that these people very often, they are the ones who drive the fancy cars, isn't it? Uh, very often they're the ones who prosper in life. Uh, the givers are the ones according to uh, the words of this actor, Danny Thomas, ones who eat. Uh, they are the ones who eat. So in as much as 
we want to live in a way of give us in as much as we uh, want to embrace giving as a normal way of life you and i need to come to realize that we are more and more disciples to be takers rather than givers uh, we need to be aware of that uh, in our own personal life uh, that we sometimes will want the benefits uh, without putting in the hard work uh, that very often we want to steal uh, from others. And it happens in different ways. Um, I just thought uh, of my own, in my own life, I'm like, how, how is it that we still, um, there's many ways we do that. Um, part of living in South Africa is being aware that we live in poverty. Um, part of living in South Africa is, and part of being middle class is that we have people who work under us, uh, and sometimes it is very hard to give. Sometimes you look at what you bring in and what you make, and it's like, mm. like I want to get away with paying as little as possible to this either helper or gardener. Whatever the case may be, cheap labor is something that we thrive off. Uh, we steal food from the mouths of um, people who would otherwise benefit from us paying them, even at least the minimum wage. Have you thought of that? I, I thought of it for myself. I thought of just how I love bargaining. I don't know where I got it from because I didn't grow up in uh, countries that bargain. I just thought about how I love... <laughs> I didn't. We, we don't bargain in the Northwest. The price you see is the price you pay. But I just love... Even at builders, bro, I'm like, listen, are you going to give me a discount? And sometimes they do. That's why I do love bargaining. Uh, but sometimes... Uh, you see those uh, people on the streets who are selling uh, stuff, and I just, like my bargaining self, just approaches those ladies with the same kind of mindset. That is stealing, isn't it? Uh, because in some ways this person depends on the livelihood. They've set the price because they're depending on selling those things, working hard uh, for their money, and me, the bargaining guy, um, come there uh, to become a taker rather than a giver. If we are honest, the takers always eat, takers always get the discount. Uh, take, it is better to be a taker than a giver. Uh, and if you think, because many of us would think, well, maybe we can avoid the, 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 the pull of our culture. Whatever it is that the gospel calls us to, we need to remember that our culture actually informs a lot of how we think. Whether it's sex, whether it's our view of money, whether it's our view of gossip, whether, that, whether it's our view of other people, whatever it is, we need to always remember that we disciple more uh, by our culture than we are um, embracing the way of, of Christ. Culture, as one author put it, is the air that we breathe. And to think that we can avoid it is, is the same as thinking that you can hold your breath, this author says, to avoid pollution. It, it's impossible. It's near impossible. So we need to at least embrace one thing. Many of us, all of us, are takers rather than, rather than givers. Uh, and so we need to be asking ourselves, if that's the reality, well, Paul calls us to uh, a certain way of life. Paul calls these Christians who perhaps were themselves takers to embrace a new way of life. Remember last week what language he uses? He uses the language of putting on, now that you belong, put on new clothes. 
uh, put on the new self. Well, what did we say? Putting on is an idea of putting on clothes. It means any single one of us who walked out of their house uh, walked out with intentionality. Uh, we worked out with clothes as part of our lives. So what, what is Paul saying? He says, make a different, this new way, this way of Christ, a new way of life. And that new way is that intentionally make uh, giving a part of your everyday life. Uh, intentionally make giving, being a giver, an everyday, a normal day, um, a normal part what am I saying? It is late um, English. <laughs> a normal um, part of your life. Make it a, a, a way of life. Uh, that is what he going, he's going to exhort this Ephesians to do in chapter 4, verse 28. Uh, notice again the same, uh, and this is, um, it comes up in chapter 4 quite a lot. In the section where he calls Christians to behave a certain way, there's always a negative putting off an old behavior, uh, making, intentionally making it, uh, removing it from your life, and then putting on a new behavior, intentionally making a new behavior part of your life. Uh, he talks about the negative and the positive, and he gives, them, gives us the motivation. Uh, so gospel calls us to uh, reject certain things, to embrace certain things, but it always gives us the motivation uh, to do those things. Put on the new behavior. What is this new behavior? Have a look at verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal. So that is the negative. This is what we ought to put off. Um, and I read commentaries this week. Uh, nobody can pinpoint us to the situation uh, and what was happening in Paul's time to that he needed to call people to stop stealing. Uh, there's a lot of speculation. Some say, well, it maybe it was the slaves who felt to themselves that they're working hard and they're not getting anything from their employees. So every now and again, they would steal a sheep or two uh, just to make sure that things are okay in life. Uh, isn't it interesting that many of us grow up in contexts where we know the thieves, but because they don't steal from us, <laughs> we almost rejoice, ah, like this guy. Um, there's those podcasts that came up uh, last year and this year of guys who were doing bank heists. And it's, it's so glorified in our culture, isn't it? Uh, perhaps this is what was happening in Paul's context where employees were stealing from their employers. And it was justified. It felt good. I mean, how many times have I given? Let me just take. Let me just steal. Uh, they would not notice anything. Uh, they have wealth. Uh, so that was perhaps the situation, we don't know. Uh, but what we do know is that Paul is uh, telling these Christians that you have now become a Christian. Uh, there is a certain way that you land uh, all uh, in your life. Now you need to embrace uh, this new way. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, uh, doing honest work with his own, own hands. And the idea here is uh, that word honest work could be translated to mean hard labor with, uh, with their hands. Perhaps some of them had given up on working uh, because it was much easier to steal than it is to work hard with, uh, with your hands. Um, we live in a, a country where this is the reality. 
Um, but I guess when we think about, I don't want to speak about people out there, I want to speak about us in here. Uh, not so much those thieves out there, uh, but us. Uh, in what ways do we embrace just being slacking behind and not putting hard work and riding off the back of other people? Uh, you can do that. You can do that by being entitled. You can do that um, by just thinking that other people will, will, will work and then you, uh, you will just launch, I mean, um, depend on their own uh, hard work. So the contrast there is somebody who lives lives, approaches life through the easy way out. When it comes to using their hands, they'd rather steal and do something that is easy rather than uh, embracing hard work. This is what one commentator says. He says, in this context, the stealer used to obtain things with little effort. But with the acquisition of the new person, all things are acquired with labor that requires much effort. Uh, so if we don't really understand what theft looked like, if we don't maybe associate or identify with stealing, I think we need to contrast it with doing hard labor. We need to contrast it with our attitude towards work, our attitude towards other people. Uh, do they exist to serve us or do we exist uh, to serve? Wherever God has placed you, do you, are you happy with doing as little as possible and rocking up there and just being happy with month-end pay? Or are you there to be a giver? Are you there to be somebody who contributes that when they look at your life, they would say, Chucks, we love having so-and-so in this company. Chucks, so-and-so, the opposite could be that you say, I'm a Christian, I go to church, uh, I pray quite a lot, I give a church, but you do the opposite. Uh, you don't pull your weight at work. And that brings disrepute, that brings uh, shame to the message of the gospel. Um, so what Paul is calling us to, what Christ is calling us to, is a life that is transformed, a life that embraces giving rather than taking. And notice what he says um, as a motivation um, for, for, for doing this. This is the motivation. Um, let the thief no longer steal, so little effort take him from others, but rather let him labor, doing honest hard work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Uh, so this is an attitude change uh, where instead of the world becoming about me and myself and I, instead of the world becoming about what I can gain, there's an attitude change for a Christian that I'm here to contribute. And not only that, I'm here to work hard to earn money for the sake of others. Uh, to contribute in my society, to contribute to other Christians, uh, to contribute in society. And I think we live in a context and in a country where this is so real for us. Uh, to, so real for us. There are many opportunities for us to work hard. Um, I used to in varsity. This is my scatterbrain. The Lord has given me a message. <laughs> <laughs> I used to listen to Christians... And these are Christians who, I think in many ways had money, who spoke about contentment, and I think I, I believe in contentment. 
we ought to not be driven by the pursuit of money because it corrupts us. It can corrupt you. But God has given the middle class in South Africa the ability to make money. Okay, so there's nothing evil about making money. Amen. There's nothing evil about having a side hustle. Amen. Of working hard. And I was challenged by a a certain Christian uh, this week with regards to that. Particularly for the sake of us saving others. My neighbor who's from Zim uh, stays uh, with me there. He's got this ability. He's an engineer. He makes a lot of money. So I'm like, Flip, if you make the salary that you make, you should just relax and um, stay at home. But he's got a farm in Zim that is employing people. He has the ability to do that. I wonder if you see yourself as a Christian, because often we're like, I want to hustle, I want to make it so that I can impress people uh, and drive a Merc. I wonder if we have this, like this driven thing of saying, I want to hustle so as to make people's lives better. I want to go start a farm because it's going gonna, it's gonna to employ people. He's not only starting a farm, but he's also running another business. I'm like, geez, how much time do you have? But he's got the ability to make money. And when I spoke to him, he said to me, well, I know that back home I have 10 families that I need to feed. And I was asking him about black text. I'm like, are you, like, do you think of, uh, of it in that way that this feels like a burden? He was like, no. To me as a Christian, it is such a privilege to be able to make money uh, to share with others. Uh, So notice the difference there in attitude. One that says, I'm just going to chill, I'm just going to steal and take as much as I can from this world. Another attitude that says, I'm going to work hard, I'm going to labor and toil for the sake of others that I may be able to share with others. Um, That is where we want to be. And I think this can only be possible. Transformation and change in our hearts from being a taker to being a giver can only happen in the context of Ephesians if we embrace a God who is a giver. Unless you embrace a God who is a giver, you will never be able to do what Paul calls us to do in verse 28. It will always be about you. It will always be about your reputation your stomach, if you cool, then excuse me for this, to hell with the rest. That's the attitude we embrace uh, as we uh, go into corporate essay, as we are in Joburg. We're here to hustle. We're here not to worry about so-and-so. That's their problem, right? I'm here to make money and make money for myself. I wonder if we were to approach it with a different mindset, a mindset of being a giver, that I'm here to contribute to society. Not only that, I'm here to share all that I earn, um, um, as I can, uh, with others. That is a gospel transformation. That can only happen when we see and taste the goodness of God in our lives. The only way we can become givers, it is hard. The only way we can become givers is if we embrace a God who is a giver. And I have this story that I want to share. This is a story from the Bible of somebody who tasted the goodness of God and his life was turned upside down. Somebody who was a taker, who was transformed to become a giver, 
who tasted belonging and in turn behaved in a different way. And that's the story of my man Zacchaeus. We call him Brazes. If you can turn with me to Luke chapter 19 as we read the story of Brazes. And as we read it, I want you to notice, first of all, what God does for this man. Okay? So, and that's important. Because the Christian life is not me or any pastor calling you to a certain way of life. The Christian message is knowing that you belong to God. And therefore God calls you to live different. You belong to a father who gives. Therefore you ought to embrace and make giving a normal part of your life. Story of Zacchaeus. He entered Jericho and was passing through the speaking of Jesus. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus means pure. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Now, if you knew anything about the context that, um, of tax collectors, you'd know that Zacchaeus, in as much as he's called pure, it's actually not the reality of his life. He's a tax collector. He's a corrupt politician. Uh, he had a tender to collect money. He collected more than he was meant to. Um, and that's why he was a very successful tax collector. Uh, we know for you to be a successful politician, we've seen their salaries. <laughs> they don't make that much. You ought to be doing some stuff in the background, and it's not side hustles. Um, this man's side hustle was to hustle other people. <laughs> Verse 3, and he was seeking to see Jesus to see who Jesus was, but on the account of the crowd he could not because he was small in stature. And our commentators say that you can translate this as he was short, but in actual effect, I think what is happening here is that um, small in stature simply means that he did not have right standing in the community. So it's not, some commentators say, it's not talking about his height, it is referring to his status in the society. If it was his height, he could have asked somebody to hop in and see Jesus. But on account of the crowd, perhaps, they could not allow him. Uh, he was an outcast. Um, so verse 4, he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Verse 5, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Notice this, and this is what we've been emphasizing in Ephesians. Who makes the first move here? It is God who makes the first move towards us. God is a giver, isn't it? He makes his first move towards this man who is small in stature. Uh, he looks up and say, says, I must stay at your house today. The story goes on. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be, he's gone in to be a guest of a man who's a sinner. So everybody knows who Zacchaeus the pure is. He's far from pure. He is a sinner. And here's this God of the universe who is incarnate, who comes and says, I want to dine at your house. I want to dine at this sinner's house. Verse 8, and Zacchaeus stood and said to him, to, to the Lord, Behold, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. 
And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I'll restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Here's Jesus offering a man a place in the family of God, offering a man a seat at the table. And Zacchaeus, out of his belonging, he behaves as a son of Abraham. He behaves in ways that would shock any politician of his day. Can you imagine somebody says, man, I think I've eaten enough money. I'm going to give all that I've acquired over the years back to people that I've defrauded. Can you just imagine the possibility of that? It is hard to imagine. It is a radical transformation. And this transformation only happens because Jesus uh, moved towards him, because the God of the universe gave himself uh, to this man. And then he begins to behave in ways uh, where he gives himself to others. Whoever I've defrauded of anything, I will restore fourfold. And Jesus says, truly this man embodies what it means to be a child of Abraham. He behaves like he belongs to the family. He behaves like the son of Abraham. Notice that. And that's very key. We need to get the right order here. This man receives Jesus or is received by Jesus before he behaves as a giver. He embraces the God who gives because he, before he becomes somebody who gives. And so it is true with us that if we want to step out of those doors and want to be people who are givers, we need to remember that we cannot do it apart from salvation. We cannot do it apart from God embracing us. Apart from tasting the goodness of God, we cannot extend goodness to others. We're going to see that also when it comes to forgiveness, that unless you've tasted it, you cannot dish it. Um, we're going to see that uh, in a couple, of, uh, a couple of weeks' time. I just wanted to end off by reading some of the, the reflections that uh, one commentator had on this story of, uh, of Zacchaeus, because I think this story tells us about who Jesus is and how he transforms lives. And Paul himself learned from Jesus. Uh, that's why he calls us to live this particular way. Uh, he says, uh, this is uh, this commentator, he says that throughout the Luke story, uh, Luke focuses his attention on a pervasive theme, which is salvation. And salvation is neither otherworldly nor merely future. Uh, so salvation is not just, and it is that, one day we will die and be with the Lord. Amen. Uh, we rejoice in that. But it is not just that. Uh, it is that life in the here and now is transformed. He, he says, Joe Green, but it embraces life in the present, restoring the integrity of human life. So being a safe person, being the child of Abraham who belongs, means that you are dedicated, you've dedicated your life uh, to restoring the integrity of human life in this world. What does that mean in your office space? He goes on to, uh, to say that it embraces, salvation embraces life in the present, restoring the integrity of human life, revitalizing human communities, setting the cosmos in order. Our job as Christians is to turn this crooked world, this world of takers, uh, 
into the world of givers. And it's, it's going to take one Christian in that office space to begin to behave in ways where they embody who their father is, a giver, to transform the society. Amen. It's going to take you to step into that office space and say, I serve a God, and I'm a son of a God who is a giver. I want to see how today I can give of myself. It is going to be hard to do that. You're going to be used and abused by takers. But the only power that you have is by embracing uh, the way of your father, by setting the cosmos in order, and commissioning the community of God's people to put God's grace into practice among themselves. So Christians should be known as people who are givers among themselves and toward an ever-widening circles of others. Uh, and we need to embrace others into this community. So we start here by being people who are givers, and we extend the circle, make the circle bigger by involving others uh, into this, um, this, um, this community. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do one more quote. He says that for Luke, the God of Israel is the great benefactor, that, that is the one who blesses, whose redemptive purpose is manifest in the career of Jesus. Okay, so this God who's a giver, how do you see that he's a giver? You see it in the career and in the life of Jesus Christ. You see it at the cross of Jesus Christ, that the one who did not need to give us anything, the one who did not need to give himself to us, demonstrated his love, that while we were sinners, Christ came to die for us and give himself for us. That is what he came to do, uh, we see his purpose manifest in the career of Jesus, whose message is that this benefaction, this blessing that he gives to us, enables and inspires new ways of living in this world. When we look at the cross of Jesus Christ, we embrace that it is for our forgiveness. God dies, God sends his son to die on the cross so that we can belong to him, so that we can be saved. And this salvation story empowers us to go out there. It enables us and inspires us to embrace new ways of living. Unless we embrace the God who gives, we will always be takers. We will always embrace the world and go out into our office space, into our relationships as takers instead of givers. But here's the thing that we see from uh, Paul's message to the Ephesians uh, that we are to embrace the new self. That is not who we are anymore. Here's what we see in the message of Luke's gospel and that this God has blessed us so as we can be a blessing to others with our talents, with our time, with our resources uh, and also, most importantly, sharing the gospel with them. I'm going to pray that God would empower us as we do so. Father, we are so thankful. Um, as we look at the scriptures, we see that one of the enemies of um, your plan in this world, one of the things that fights for our hearts is money. And Father, we know that uh, very often we want to cut corners, we want to do shady things to end more of it, Pray that you save us from that greed, that greed which is the desire for more and more. 
I pray that you would help us to embrace you, the one who gives us good gifts. I pray, Lord, that you change our hearts to become not people of status, so that people would look at us and the cars we drive and our progress, but, Lord, that one day when we stand before you, the crown of glory would be those, um, how we use that money to build friendships in this world, uh, to make a difference in other people's lives. So I pray that we'll step into the office space to use our time, our resources, our energy uh, to be givers, Lord, uh, to help others along the way. And Lord, what a great opportunity to do that in our country, that there are many areas, Lord, there are many spaces where we can do this as Christians. So please save us from being takers and help us embrace the way of giving. Amen.